0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. I was riding in the car with a friend driving and we were stuck in this incredible, awful, terrible traffic and complained bitterly about it the whole while. Then my friend turned to me and she said, you know, we're the traffic, too. And I thought, oh, this is actually what's true. And you know what? Having that sensibility, I think, gives us a whole other avenue of how we might try to resolve it, rather than it's their problem, it's their fault.
1: Welcome to Friday and the grand finale of my series of conversations with Sharon Salzberg, one of the country's most famous meditation teachers. Now, when you hear the word meditation, you probably picture someone sitting alone on a cushion with their eyes closed, silent. And that's certainly a kind of meditation. But that stereotype misses some important aspects of mindfulness practice, including the social aspect. Because when we set out to live wisely, we make a mistake if we try to do it alone.
0: We find ourselves through connecting with others. When we connect with others, we don't lose ourselves. We find ourselves. In those moments, we find the voice within that isn't overcome by fear, though that may be in the room, or by unworthiness, though that may be there too. We find the voice born of recognizing a bigger sense of possibility, which urges us to engage without the certainty of definite, immediate reward. This is what gets us out of bed, out of lethargy, to see if life can be different. Connecting to one another is the dynamism that reminds us continually to affirm what might yet be, rather than allowing discouragement or anxiety to lay waste to any sense of that vision. We can experience a power of connection that is alive and responsive. Our hearts tremble, or we have a clear intuition as to how a conversation may look from someone else's perspective, or we recognize for a moment that this person wants to be happy just as we do, that they have their own story and hopes and fears and dreams. We respond more and more from that place of connection rather than the fears and divisions and preconceptions that beset us. We are after all capable of not only the greatest wrongs, but also the highest good. Many days we face the direct question of what will get us to try to reach for the highest.
1: This is another pivot in a way because a lot of what we've been talking about is how to behave towards yourself and your own experiences, your own emotions. And that's challenging enough, you know? Managing Mm -hmm. your own experience is is quite a lot. And then when you try to also connect with others who have their own complicated emotions, it's challenging uh, to the point where I think some of us kind of either shy away from deep, intimate connection, or or just try to kind of keep it simple. How can we get past that and and bravely step into the morass of connection and relationship?
0: Well, you know, I don't know that it needs to take a certain form, like even before the pandemic, when I would read about a loneliness epidemic, and I would read about the power of social connection and healing modalities of various clinical conditions. And I kept thinking, well, it can't just be a numbers game, like I only have two friends, I need eight, you know, in order to heal. I think really about an inner sense of connection Mm. to others, and so that might take lots of different forms, you know, maybe you're more introverted, maybe you're not gonna be that social, it's fine, you know, but Mm. there is that sense of being part of a whole, because that's what's true, the reason it's powerful Is because it's true. You know, it's not a superimposition that we're trying to put on an alien reality. You know, one of my favorite things to do going into a company or an organization to teach is to ask how many other people need to be doing their job well for you to do your job well. And it became very highlighted talking to a physician in kind of the height of COVID who was saying, you know who I have an increased appreciation for is the cleaning staff. And I right. thought, well, yeah, you know. And mostly like uh the light goes on when I ask that question. Sometimes it doesn't. So I've asked further, do you commute to work? Do you th- ever think about the auto mechanic or the train conductor? And <laughs> once that didn't work either. So I said, Have you eaten today? Huh. You know, did you grow all your own right, food? Right, you know, right. there's so many exercises we can do just to take a moment and reflect that. There's a different quality of belonging right. and being part of a whole and recognizing that with others. One of my favorite stories is about this time when I was, I was riding in the car with a friend driving and we were stuck in this incredible, awful, terrible traffic and complained bitterly about it the whole while. Uh-huh. Then my friend turned to me and she said, you know, we're the traffic too. And I thought, oh, that's right. You know, like they're probably complaining about us. And I realized that my mind state before then, was, that was really privileged. Like, it's my road. Right. Um, I am in the center of the universe. I own this road. <laughs> you interlopers are in my way. You're holding me back. It's that sense of centrality and the margins dropped away. Yeah. And we were all the traffic. And I thought, oh, this is actually what's true. And you know what? We've got a problem, which is traffic. But having that sensibility, I think, gives us a whole other avenue of how we might try to resolve it rather than, it's their problem, it's their fault, you know?
1: There's also that mindset shift of going from what can I get out of this situation or this yeah. relationship to what can I give, you know? Yeah. It comes up in a few different ways. I remember one time I was getting advice from someone before I had to do a piece of public speaking and I was so nervous and so yeah. kind of in my head about whether I was gonna screw up or embarrass myself. And this person who was giving me advice encouraged me to think about what I had to offer the group, you know, and Mm -hmm. how they might benefit from what I had to say. And it worked. It was a big shift. You know, I was a little less focused on myself and my own sort of self-consciousness, my own insecurities. I mean, they didn't go away, but they they went a little bit into the background and I put in the front of my mind, well, Look at that person there. I, I have a, yeah. a piece of information that I think will help them, and let me share it. So it helped with my nerves.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what else works is loving kindness meditation.
1: Mm. For yourself.
0: Well, for the people that you're about to speak with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and yourself. But I mean, I've heard that over and over again. I experienced it because I used to be personally petrified yeah. on the very same thing.
1: <laughs> and now you do it all the time.
0: And I do it all the time. <laughs> And it was almost like that sense of they're out there waiting to judge me. Yeah. Could dissolve into here we are together. Yeah. About to have an experience.
1: You know, this idea of relationships, it's so broad. It's so daunting in a way. I actually find the word itself a little clunky, relationship. It just seems very awkward. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's preferable to use a word like love, you know, just a simpler word that kind of uh, gets at the spirit of it. We've had a lot of talk about relationships on this podcast and the benefits of having good relationships. The psychologists Mark Schultz and Robert Waldinger, who head up the Harvard study of adult development, their research over decades has indicated that good connections, good relationships are the single most reliable marker of a of a happy life. And we've also had on a psychologist named David Meyer, who, who talked a lot about relationships. And he he brought up the idea that I think you get at too, although I don't think he uses this term, he referred to micro friendships,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and this is the idea of just having great intimate friendships is wonderful, but it's also wonderful just to have a little chat with the person at the coffee shop, say hello to a person on the bus. It's something Mm -hmm. that we get tremendous benefit from, but most of us don't do it all that much because it feels a little awkward. You know, unless you're a really extroverted person, it can feel strange to strike up a conversation with the person next to you on an airplane. But the research shows that once you start, it's actually not as awkward as you think it's going to be. And it's actually a lot more fun.
0: You know, we used to do that much more before we got invested on in our phones. Yeah. And people of a certain age, say, in New York will tell me they miss that. Yet, It was one of the special things about New York was that you start a conversation with someone next to you on a bus, and they'd be so interesting after all, you know. Yeah. That moment of connection is actually quite fulfilling.
1: Yeah, and you're right. The smartphone era has really taken a wrecking ball to micro yeah. friendships. It does make me think every time I do say hello to a stranger or just a nod or a smile, it almost feels like a, a radical act, you know a, yeah. a yeah, counter, yeah. countercultural act but I think we need to do more to encourage that in our daily interactions
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll start a movement Let's start a
1: movement, put your phone down and make eye contact, people Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, really enjoyed talking to you and hearing your big ideas
0: Thank you so much.
1: And thank you, everyone. It's been a great week talking with Sharon Salzberg. And remember, if you missed any of it, just download the Next Big Idea app and you can find all of Sharon's key insights, along with those of other wise people, experts on psychology, creativity, leadership, and just about anything else you might be interested in. And come back next week when I'll be talking with one of our Next Big Idea Club curators, the best-selling author, Daniel Pink, about his most recent book, The Power of Regret. No regrets about this week's episodes. Kayla Bissinger and Rufus Griscom were executive producers, and sound design was by Emily Rostick. We're all proud members of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. I'm your host, writer, and producer Michael Kovnat, and I'll see you on Monday.